Our speaker is Father Jeremy Pollan, OMV, from St. Mary's Parish over in Alton. Father Jeremy Pollan was the eighth of ten children. He was born and raised in a small town in central Massachusetts. He grew up in a parish called Our Lady Immaculate, and he says he owes everything to Mama Mary, so he feels really at home at St. Mary's Church in Alton. He graduated from Thomas More College in New Hampshire, and after that, he started a construction company, and later um, he became a partner in a pilgrimage and tour company in New York City, or in New York. While he was promoting and leading pilgrimages, he encountered his vocation, and he entered the Oblates of Mary, um, of the Virgin Mary, that's the OMV, in 1998. Father Paulin made his final vows and was ordained a priest in 2006. He served as an associate pastor in California and also in Colorado. And then he served as a full-time vocation director for the OMVs in the United States. Father Jeremy became pastor of St. Mary's in, Ophel in Alton, I'm sorry, Alton, in 2017. And tonight he's going to speak to us on St. Joseph on the Feast of St. Joseph. Thank you for inviting me here to speak tonight. Um, it's a great uh, joy for me to be here. Um, it's just interesting to, as you get older to hear, I haven't heard that kind of litany of where I've been and what I've done in a while. I've kind of forgotten, so <laughs> it's, uh, God is good, and I'm I just so happy um, uh, to be here and just to recall uh, I'm one of 10 children, it was mentioned there, it's uh, easy to remember. My name is Jim, John, Jackie, Justin, Jamie, Jean, Joseph, Jeremy, Jesse, and Robert. Just kidding, that's Joshua, was number 10. So uh, they used to call us the J people. Um, they ran out of J's and I think they, they, they couldn't have any more children after that. So um, yeah, just a great joy to be here to, um, to celebrate uh, from across the river, to celebrate the Feast of St. Joseph with you. This morning, um, uh, I went to the school, to St. Mary's School. I see one of my students is here. And um, I went to the school and I talked to the third grade. They're going to make their first Holy Communion and confirmation uh, soon. And I um, brought them some holy cards of St. Joseph and I, I know they had watched the homily, they had watched the mass on live stream. So we have mass in the church for the school and then they, they stay in their classroom and watch it. And, and I had overheard the homily of the other priest, one of the priests there, Father Benjamin. And so I asked the children what they had heard about and what Father Benjamin had said in his homily about St. Joseph, a wonderful homily. And, and what, who is he the patron of? So um, one of them, they, they, they had been listening and they said, uh, he's the, uh, the patron of carpenters. Okay, very good. He's the, the patron of, of workers, laborers. Uh, and then one kid struggled with uh, the universal, the patron something, uh, university, universal patron of the church. And, and then one raised his hand and he said, um, Father, uh, he, I, th I think he's the patron of everything. 
And so I said, that, that's a really good insight. I, I, I would agree with that. He's the one to call. Don't ever be afraid to call on him for anything, for help, for assistance, for, for guidance, for uh, whatever it is that you find yourself in need of. Uh, going to pray the litany at the end of, the, of my talk tonight, the litany of St. Joseph, which addresses many of the, um, the qualities that he has and the, the reasons that we should call upon him for help. Um, so... Uh, St. Joseph has been, a, a, has been a, probably you've had experiences of asking him for help and for guidance in your lives. There, I've known some people um, who have been helped tremendously by St. Joseph in their lives. A few of them, um, I, I had a, a friend in, in one of the parishes in which I served. You heard the list of those. And um, he struggled for many years with a, a same-sex temptation and he, it was really a struggle for him, and he came in and out of it, and uh, it was um, a very difficult, very challenging, very um, uh, hard reality for him. And he, he found out about St. Joseph, and he devoted his life to St. Joseph. And it was really amazing. He, he invited me to his house, and uh, he, he was coming to confession quite often, and to the church, to mass, and he, he was growing in, in holiness, and um, just with strength, and it was all St. Joseph. He said, Father, come to my house. I want to show you something. So I got to his house. He had like 20 statues of St. Joseph, all these different images of St. Joseph, and, and uh, he, he said, uh, he just, it was really amazing. He said, everything he attributed, all his... Um, his growth in holiness and his battles to um, the, the prayers of St. Joseph. And, and he said, uh, Father Jeremy, when I die, I want to give you a couple of these statues. And I was looking at them and I thought, these are really nice, you know. Um, he's not that old. Uh, it's going to be a while before I get one of those statues. So I said, how about if before you die? Can, can you give them to me before you die? And he, hmm, okay. So I have one of them over in our Adoration Chapel over at St. Mary's. So, uh, St. Joseph is very powerful. Another way of saying that St. Joseph is a very powerful um, intercessor and a, and a great help for any challenges that, that you might have. I'm very grateful to Pope Francis that he has declared this to be the year of St. Joseph on the 150th anniversary of uh, St. Joseph being, called the, being declared the uh, patron of the Universal Church. A wonderful gift that Pope Francis has given us. Uh, I was kind of surprised by it. I didn't realize that it was going to happen until actually all of a sudden December 8th last year, the Pope has announced a year dedicated to St. Joseph. Wow, that's a surprise. Um, and so it's just a wonderful gift for us to have. And uh, it goes from December 8th last year until December 8th this year. And there's, uh, I'm just, I began reading more about St. Joseph and, I, and I, I have to apologize and say, I confess to you that um, you know, for many years, I've prayed to St. Joseph. St. Joseph, pray for us. Uh, St. Joseph, help. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Pope Francis has added his name to, to all the Eucharistic prayers. And then I, I began reading. I'm reading this, making this consecration. Anybody familiar with this book? Uh, Father Calloway's book on St. Joseph. It's wonderful. And I began reading that, and I read the Pope's letter. I'm going to share a little bit with you about that tonight. Um, and I just, it's like, wow, I didn't know so. I did uh, I, I had to wait till I was 55 to learn more about St. Joseph. I, I, I encourage you to, um, to do some study, to learn more about him, to spend uh, more time with him. And uh, I, again, I just like, wow, why did I wait so long to do more than just ask him for help uh, kind of in a casual way or a formal way, but now to enter more deeply into the life of this great saint, St. Joseph. And Pope Francis, um, he speaks about, I want to share with you some passages from his letter um, um, it's called, uh, i got to get it right, the Patris Corde, Patris Corde with a father's heart. And I, I, the letter is, um, it's really from Pope Francis's heart. 
It's about the heart of uh, St. Joseph, how St. Joseph loved Jesus, but I, I know it's from the heart of Pope Francis because um, I, I wanna share with you an experience I had with Pope Francis that really uh, speaks to me through this letter that he writes about St. Joseph and Jesus. And uh, it was six years ago that I, I was, happened to be, well, I was um, chosen to go to Rome uh, from our religious order to, to vote in our, to be part of our general chapter there in Rome. And um, so we, in that general chapter, which happens every six years in the religious order, we looked back at the Oblates of the Virgin Mary around the world. There were 30 representatives from around the world, and we took time to review what, what the, the works that the Oblates had done in the uh, 10 different countries that we're in, and then to, to discern about the future, what is the Lord calling us to do? And then uh, toward the end of that, we found out we were gonna meet Pope Francis. And uh, it was really exciting that we, we were gonna get to meet him. And um, a few of the, the members of the chapter from Argentina, they knew him, they knew Pope Francis. Actually, one of the priests, uh, the Pope had been his spiritual director when he was the Cardinal Archbishop of Buenos Aires. So uh, we were just really excited to go meet the Pope. And um, so we got to the, to the um, audience hall with the, where he, we were gonna meet him about 45 minutes early. And uh, we sat in there and we were on two semicircles of chairs and, and we were waiting and waiting and there were two big doors at the, at the one end of the, the room and then there was a nice chair where the Pope was gonna sit when he came in. And, um, then the doors opened right on time, right at noon when we were gonna meet him and, and we all stood up and it was just like electric. You know, we all got goosebumps to see the Pope and then he went, shook all our hands um, as he, he, we got to greet him and I, I spoke to him in Spanish, told him who I was just real quickly. Uh, Thank you, Pope Francis, for having us and he just greeted each one of us and it was really um, intimate and very um, personal. One of the priests had known him, one of the American priests who was there had known him in Argentina and uh, he reminded the Pope that uh, they had worked together on a retreat like 40 years ago, maybe 35 years ago, when the Pope wasn't, he wasn't even a bishop yet, he was a priest, and, and the Pope, hmm, he kind of nodded as Father Ed told him, or Father Greg told him about this uh, memory about the retreat house, and the Pope nodded, then he went on to shake the next hand, the next priest, and then he went back and he said, I remember you. <laughs> he said, I remember you to Father Greg. It was really special. And so then he sat down and began to speak. And the first thing he told us uh, priests was, um, my dear Oblates of the Virgin Mary, because he, again, he knew some of us, so he knew the work that we did in Argentina. He said, be men of mercy, be men of mercy. And so it was, a, it was just, a, he spoke a lot about mercy and the sacrament of reconciliation, the importance of the work that we do. And he said, after about speaking for about 45 minutes, he asked the priest there, he said, does anybody have any questions? So what are you gonna ask the Pope, you know? Um, I, I was kind of dumbstruck, you know, I, I don't want to embarrass myself. And, um, so one of the priests asked a question that I would, you know, think would be kind of embarrassing to ask, actually. He said, Your Holiness, it was one of our Italian priests, what should I tell somebody if they ask me how I can grow in holiness? That's a question we shall have an answer for, you know. How, what should I tell somebody who approaches me and asks me um, how can I grow in holiness? And the Pope laughed at him. So, oh no, what's the Pope laughed at him. And uh, he said, well, the first thing you should do is, is congratulate them on their humility for admitting that they have a ways to go yet, that they're not there yet. That's really beautiful. That was very simple, but very profound that you have the humility to admit that you've got a ways to go. You know, that you're a work in progress and, and, and therefore you're open to receiving what it is that the Lord wants to give you and admitting that we're, we're still on the, on the journey, on the path, on the pilgrimage of holiness. Well, I came to the end of the gathering and uh, 
I had another opportunity to meet the Pope. And so at the, to, to shake his hand one more time as we were leaving the audience, Holly stood there, he was giving us each a rosary, and I had a question I wanted to ask him. I did have something I wanted to, to, to ask him for. And so about five or six months before getting to Rome, I had been in Denver at our parish, and there was a, a mom there, her name was Linda, and she had a little girl who had Down syndrome who was having very serious heart trouble, and her name was Bridget. And I told Linda, I said, Linda, I think I'm going to meet the Pope this summer. It might happen, and I'm going to ask him to pray for Bridget. And so when I got to meet the Pope, I had a picture. I got a photograph of Bridget, and I had a couple other things I wanted to ask the Pope. I told him again that I was the vocation director, and I asked him to pray, to pray for our vocations. And then I said, and your holiness, there's a little girl at my parish in, little, little girl at my parish in Denver. Her name is Bridget. And up until that moment, it was really, the room was full of joy, you know, everybody was smiling and we were just so happy to be with the Pope. And, and uh, as soon as I began to tell him about Bridget, um, I said, she's very sick. And I showed him the picture and then his whole, his entire demeanor, his whole face changed. And he became very serious and very somber. He put his hand right on the photograph and he began to pray. And he, he was just, this prayer that he was praying, it was just, it, I couldn't tell, it wasn't Spanish, it wasn't English, it wasn't Italian, it was, he was uh, speaking in this groan, he was groaning over the, the picture of this girl, Bridget, praying for her. And so I'm sharing that story with you to tell you that as I begin to share with you just a little bit from his letter, Patris Corde, with a father's heart, that he himself has that father's heart. He has that heart that loves his flock, loves his people, even a little girl on the other side of the world who was sick, who had asked for prayers, uh, he offered the prayer for her. And so this, what I'm gonna share with you again from this uh, letter um, from the Father's heart, with a Father's heart, uh, comes from a Father's heart, Pope Francis's heart, the Holy Father, the Pope of the, of the world, the Vicar of Christ on earth. So here's the letter. Have, has anybody had a chance to look at this yet? I've got a little booklet copy from Relevant Radio. Anybody seen it? Okay, well, I hope you're going to go home and find it. Maybe Father Monsignor can provide some copies for it later, or just you can get it on the internet for free. You can Google it. It's on the Vatican website. So, Patris Corde with a Father's Heart. So, um, I'm going to read some passages from it because I think the Pope, you know, based on my experience and um, based on the fact that he's our, our Holy Father and this letter is the letter with which he began this year dedicated to St. Joseph, we can learn from it. Okay, it's some, just some passages. And it's not, it's not a long letter, it's about 12 pages. So I hope you'll uh, find this helpful. With a father's heart, that is how Joseph loved Jesus, whom all four, four Gospels refer to as the son of Joseph. So this letter is to tell us about how St. Joseph loved Jesus. He loved him with a father's heart. And then Pope Francis is gonna go on to speak about what is a father's heart? And how does a father's heart love? And how does a pure father's heart love? You know, when we think about St. Joseph, uh, we say Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Um, Joseph is somebody that can, uh, we can get really close to. It's easy for us to approach him. He wasn't conceived immaculately. He, he didn't have that special grace that our mother Mary had, that his spouse had. He was, he was, um, like you and me. And so for us to, to try to have a heart like his, to imitate like him, to love like, to imitate him, to love like he loves, that's something very accessible to us. And I think um, Pope Francis is really onto something in this wonderful book by Father Calloway, which is really stirring people up to love St. Joseph, is a very timely gift to the world for us to love Jesus with the Father's heart, 
and to love like Joseph does, to approach God as Joseph does, because this is something we can all do by God's grace to be like St. Joseph. And so at the beginning, he he speaks about St. Joseph um, just kind of getting into his life, what he did. He was a carpenter, a lowly carpenter, betrothed to Mary, things that we all know about how, what Joseph um, did. And you know, I'm sure you know that Joseph never said anything in the Gospels. There's no uh, account of any words that he spoke. He was silent, but he acted quickly uh, on God's will when it was presented to him and with courage. So Joseph had the courage to become the legal father of Jesus, to, he, to whom he gave the name revealed by the angel, you shall call his name Jesus. Joseph had the courage to embrace this child who he knew um, wasn't his. He took him as his own, and I think there's, there's something that's going to, to come up here uh, throughout the letter, um, and something for us to ponder is that uh, just as Joseph had courage to take Jesus as his own, do you and I have the courage to take Jesus as our own, to be a father and a mother to Jesus? You remember um, Jesus was speaking with some people, and um, his mother and his brothers, his cousins, came looking for him. And they said, your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? And just, there's a beautiful invitation for us here in this, um, considering St. Joseph, to, to have the courage, the openness, to take Jesus as your son. It seems strange to say, but to take Jesus as your son, if you're a mother, or if you're a man, to be a father to Jesus. There's something very powerful in that. Um, not that we give birth to him in, in, the, in the way a, a natural uh, child is born, but can you take him and, and why you contemplate the mysteries of the rosary, the joyful mysteries, and we behold Jesus in the womb of Mary at the Annunciation and at Christmas in a manger, in the simplicity of the manger. And Pope Francis will speak about that, how, how Joseph um, very creatively found a welcoming place for Jesus in that very simple and, and roughshod manger in Bethlehem. But do you have the, can, can we do that? Can we take Jesus um, and, and raise him up, embrace him as a baby and, and be tender as you know, many fathers and mothers here, and you remember when you first held your baby girl and what, how beautiful that was, or her older brother, your first one, and uh, <laughs> how, what, what that was like, what that's like. It's so beautiful to behold, you know, when we baptize, I baptize babies and they see their first child or whichever number child it is. I think of my mom and dad, they had 10, you know, and each time they brought them to the baptismal font. How beautiful that was, how tenderly they were held. And to think about even more tenderly, um, St. Joseph held the baby Jesus and really took him as his own. Father Calloway says in his book, it is very beautiful, he said, Jesus didn't, uh, as he began to speak, didn't refer to, um, to St. Joseph as, hello, foster father. He's my foster father. He called him daddy. He called him dad, Abba. He called him his own father. How beautiful that is. And so for, for us to, um, to really, uh, who are my mother and my brothers, those who do the will of God, also to embrace Embrace Jesus to be, I have the courage to take him as our own, to, because we're really, we, we talk about this in other ways, making a, heart, a home in our hearts for God, and how good God is, that, and how um, understanding of our weakness and our frailty that he would come in the way he did among us, um, um, so uh, vulnerable, and um, in such a way that we wouldn't be afraid to approach him and to allow him to grow in us so we become transformed to, to achieve the full stature of Christ in our lives. Pope Francis goes on to speak about um, uh, after Mary 
uh, the mother of God. No saint is mentioned more frequently that the Holy Fathers, the popes, the magisterium doesn't speak about anybody uh, as much as Joseph after Mary. And we think you remember uh, um, St. John Paul II gave us a letter, the guardian of the redeemer, uh, Pope Benedict spoke about St. Joseph. He had his name even, Joseph Ratzinger. Um, and so Joseph, very important, the universal patron of the church. So um, one of the categories or one of the, the titles that um, Pope Francis speaks about uh, in regard to St. Joseph, he, he's a beloved father. And he's kind of gives a history of how the church has seen him over the centuries and how we understand him today. He's a beloved father. He put himself at the service of the entire plan of salvation. He devoted himself completely to the Holy Family in his life and work. And then he speaks about how you and I express our, our affection for, for, um, for St. Joseph, the beloved father of us, and probably devotions that you have to St. Joseph and why you've come here tonight to hear more about him. There are a lot of religious orders and institutes dedicated to St. Joseph. A number of churches dedicated to St. Joseph. How many? Confraternities and ecclesial groups inspired by his spirituality and bearing his name. And many traditional expressions of piety. Uh, we can think of the Wednesday devotion to St. Joseph. Monsignor, do you offer a, um, a, a mass, a votive mass of St. Joseph on Wednesdays sometimes? We haven't. They haven't? Okay. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to do on Wednesdays, a day dedicated to St. Joseph, just as Saturday is dedicated to Our Lady. Um, Every prayer book, the Pope says, he says, every prayer book contains prayers to St. Joseph. This is how popular St. Joseph is, how important he is in the life of the church. And that beautiful saying, uh, the, the trust that people have in St. Joseph, which is deeply rooted in our faith and in scripture, that comes, that we, we know in the expression, go to Joseph. How many have heard that expression before? Go to Joseph, anybody heard that? There's a couple, a couple. Okay, you've heard it now. Okay, so go to Joseph. Do you know where that comes from? Don't say it, Monsignor. <laughs> or in Latin, maybe remember it in Latin, ite ad Yosef. So that's from, uh, from the book of Genesis, right? So it's, um, I'm sorry, Exodus. So, uh, no, Genesis, Genesis, yeah. Um, Joseph goes to Egypt, right? Remember, Joseph is sold into slavery and he goes to Egypt and there he saves his family in the end. It's a very powerful account of God at work in his providence. And so uh, there's a famine throughout the world and they're sent to Egypt to go to find food to eat, go to Joseph. And so this is um, with the coming of St. Joseph in the New Testament, at the, the bridge of the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, it's become a beautiful saying, a way of saying, go trust in Joseph. He's going to nourish you. He's going to feed you. Just as his family in Israel was saved by going to him and being saved by the one whom they had betrayed, go to Joseph. He will help you. Pray to him, ask him for whatever it is you need. Go to Joseph. God worked through that. God works through Joseph and his humility and his um, being a, a beloved father of Jesus and a beloved father of us, as the, the tradition of the church tells us all those different ways of saying that, that uh, so much affection for him. Joseph was a tender and loving father. There's something very beautiful here. I wanna read you a couple of paragraphs uh, from the Holy Father. That, that speak to us about how Jesus learned from St. Joseph, what Jesus learned from him in his humanity. Joseph saw Jesus grow daily in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. As the Lord had done with Israel, so Joseph did with Jesus. 
Joseph taught him to walk, taking him by the hand. He was for him like a father who raised an infant to his cheeks, bending down to him and feeding him. In Joseph, Jesus saw the tender love of God. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. In the synagogue, during the praying of the Psalms, Joseph would surely have heard again and again that the God of Israel is a God of tender love, who is good to all, whose compassion is over all that he has, all that he has made. This is very beautiful. Um, Again, I want you to go back and get copies of this yourself and kind of ponder these words because they're very striking. Just imagining the Pope is is recalling that St. Joseph, he, he was a man of prayer himself. Joseph was in the synagogue. He heard the word of God. He heard the Psalms, he, uh, the Psalms that I just quoted. He heard those and he took them to heart. And therefore he was able to understand, you know, knowing that and trusting that this child who Mary was the mother of and who God was the father of and he was guardian of, knowing that he was not his own, he, how am I gonna take care of this child? How am I gonna provide for my son whom God has sent, the savior of the world, who is so humble, who's so frail, who's so vulnerable? How am I gonna provide for him? And so Joseph learned from scripture about, well, God the Father, who is good to all, whose compassion is over all that he has made. And and so St. Joseph had to have that attitude, the attitude of God the Father toward the Son of God whom he was given custody of. It's just so beautiful to think of, and the Pope has these very simple insights into St. Joseph learned from God's word how to care for God's word. He took it to himself and made it his own and he was able, able to provide for the Lord in the frailty of the Lord. There's the baby, you know, the infant, the helpless infant that Joseph began to care for, uh, who made, he, whom he made a home for, who he protected, who he saved from, um, from Herod. So Pope Francis speaks about um, not being afraid to, um, to bring our frailty to the Lord. He says the, the evil one makes us see and condemn our frailty whereas the spirit brings it to light with tender love. So we think about our frailty and, and our wounds, you know, maybe our sinfulness, uh, ways we failed in our life, things we could have done better, uh, temptations that we gave into, and the devil invites us to, to pursue those and to it reproaches us for what we've done. Uh, he, but he wants us to keep us in the dark, but the Lord brings light to it, uh, tender love. And St. Joseph had this tender love. Tenderness, so this, uh, not that the Lord was not uh, the, the Lord was the Lord, uh, but he was still vulnerable and frail. And we're vulnerable, vulnerable and frail in many other ways. Tenderness is the best way to touch the frailty within us. Pointing fingers and judging others are frequently signs of an inability to accept our own weaknesses, our own frailty. Only tender love will save us from the snares of the accuser, from the evil one. That is why it is so important to encounter God's mercy, especially in the sacrament of reconciliation, where we experience his truth and tenderness. Monsignor, have you had many people come for confession during Lent? Wonderful, wonderful. We're having a, a, what we're calling a mercy marathon tomorrow at St. Mary's, 13 hours of confessional availability if you wanna come. Um, but that's wonderful that you've had, many people are taking advantage of this sacrament to experience the tenderness of God and his mercy. Again, the tenderness that St. Joseph had toward the baby Jesus. And it, it makes us think about the humility of God too, that he, he humbles himself so much to, that he has to be cared for and protected. So we wouldn't be afraid to come to him when that time comes, when, when we need him, which is all the time.
The evil one can also speak the truth to us, yet he does so only to condemn us, so that he tells the truth about our sins, but it's to condemn us. God's truth does not condemn, but instead welcomes, embraces, sustains, and forgives us. That truth always presents itself to us like the merciful Father in Jesus' parable. The truth of God comes out to meet us, restores our dignity, sets us back on our feet and rejoices for us. As the Father says, this is my, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Even though Joseph, Joseph's fears, even through Joseph's fears, God's will, his history and his plan were at work. Joseph then teaches us that faith in God includes believing that he can work even through our fears, our frailties, and our weaknesses. He also teaches us that amid the tempests of life, we must never be afraid to let the Lord steer our course. At times, we want to be in complete control, yet God always sees the bigger picture. So the question is, can I let God uh, into my fears? Whatever they may be. I was kind of afraid coming here tonight. What am I going to, how's it going to go? Who's going to be there? Um, I'm going to be on video. Um, can I give those fears to God? Whatever they might be. Maybe I have something in my past. There's something I'm a, I, I did that I, I've never been able to confess or I've been ashamed of or embarrassed about. Um, can I bring that to God? The answer is yes, you can. And in his tenderness, tenderness that um, he receives it. He forgives us. And St. Joseph, again, is a beautiful model of, of that trust and that ability to be tender, uh, even with God. Can I bring my frailty? Can I allow my frailty to be exposed, even as God did, in, as Jesus did uh, before St. Joseph? Not that he was a sinner, but he was weak and vulnerable. He, became, he humbled, uh, humbled himself coming among us as a, as a, as a baby. Joseph was obedient. It was a beautiful virtue um, for fathers uh, and for all of us before God uh, to be obedient. So very, very quickly, um, you know, Jesus um, um, was cared for by St. Joseph, but God spoke to through St. Joseph, to St. Joseph through dreams, through dreams. I prayed, uh, the, uh, there's an Angelus I prayed with the kids this morning in the school. It's the Angelus of St. Joseph. So I asked the children if they were familiar with the prayer of the Angelus, and not many of them were. I said, I have to have sister make sure she teaches you that. The Angelus, that's because they, they learn a new prayer every month. Um, they focus on memorizing. And um, so they talked about the Angelus. I said, who, who is, uh, what does that make you think of, the Angelus? They said, an angel. And, um, and what angel came to Mary? A couple of them. Gabriel, very good. I'm gonna tell sister. And what did, they, what, did, what did Gabriel ask of Mary? If she would be God's mother. And then I'd say, what did Mary say? Yes. And so the Angelus of St. Joseph's a beautiful prayer. It's um, God speaking to Joseph through dreams. So announcing to him that he was to be the foster father, the guardian of Jesus. And, and Joseph always said yes, just like Mary. And so four dreams that, Jesus, uh, that Joseph had and to which um, Joseph responded immediately, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. His response was immediate. In the second dream, get up, take the child, and flee to Egypt. And Joseph promptly responded to that. Um, he did not hesitate to obey. And then, while Joseph was um, in Egypt, in the third dream, those who are gonna kill your baby, the child, are dead. You can go back now. 
go back to Israel. And so Joseph started on his way. On his way back, um, he was warned not to go back to, um, uh, to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem or Jerusalem, because Herod was still out to get them, um, Herod's son. So he ended up going to Nazareth. So he responded very promptly and immediately to the, to the command of the Lord, and it was through dreams. And so in every situation, Pope Francis says, Joseph declared his own yes, his own fiat, like those of Mary at the Annunciation, and Jesus, Jesus' own yes to God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's very beautiful how he speaks about then um, Joseph teaching Jesus to be obedient to his parents. Joseph taught Jesus in his humanity to, to be obedient. He says, during the hidden years in Nazareth, Jesus learned at the school of Joseph to do the will of the Father. That will was to be his daily food. And then why Jesus would say later, who are my mother and my brothers? Those who hear the will of God and do it, who embrace it, who follow me. Obedience. Um, there's a few other uh, beautiful um, sections to this letter. I want to encourage you to read the whole thing. Uh, there's, I want to skip toward the end. There's some sections on how Joseph was an accepting father and he faced um, difficult times and challenges, but he always saw God's hand in it. He accepted it. He didn't rebel. He was obedient himself. Uh, he saw God's, God's hand at work, his providence, and not knowing the whole story, what was going to be, but following um, God's plan and embracing the people in front of him, especially Our Lady, and working for her and um, addressing her needs. So trusting in God and his, um, his plan, courageously and firmly being proactive, uh, Pope Francis says. So one final section is, um, he speaks about work, and he also speaks about St. Joseph being a father in the shadows a father in the shadows, which is a kind of very poetic, very beautiful way of speaking about Joseph's fatherhood of Jesus. He says, a Polish writer, Jan Dobrosinski, uh, in his book, The Shadow of the Father, tells a story of St. Joseph's life in the form of a novel. He uses the evocative image of a shadow to define Joseph. In his relationship to Jesus, Joseph was the earthly shadow of the heavenly father. He watched over him and protected him, never leaving him to go his own way. We can think of Moses' words to Israel. In the wilderness, you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as one carries a child, all the way that you traveled. In a similar way, Joseph acted as a father for his whole life. And he speaks about, then he goes on to speak about fatherhood in this very beautiful way. And very simple, um, and probably fathers here have already considered um, your own fatherhood uh, in, in, these, in these terms, in these words. Um, Fathers are, are not born, but made. Fathers are not born, but made. And so St. Joseph had to, just like, like when I became a priest, I didn't, uh, had a lot of preparation for it, but um, I wasn't born that way, I had to work on it, and still at work. But fathers are, are not born, but made. A man does not become a father simply by bringing a child into the world, but by taking up the responsibility to care for that child. Whenever a man accepts responsibility for the life of another, in some way he becomes a father to that person. And so St. Joseph took up the responsibility uh, for Jesus. He took him as his own. 
Um, he didn't bring the child into the world, but took the responsibility for him, for his care. Being a father entails introducing children to life and reality, not holding them back, being overprotective or possessive, but rather making them capable of deciding for themselves, enjoying freedom and exploring new possibilities. Perhaps for this reason, Joseph is traditionally called a most chaste father. And this is really beautiful, what he's going to say here. That title is not simply a sign of affection, but the summation of an attitude that is opposite of possessiveness. So not being a possessive father. He wasn't possessive. Chastity is freedom from possessiveness in every sphere of one's life. Only when love is chaste is it truly love. That's a very rich statement. Only when love is chaste is it truly love. Because it's not possessive. It's not objectifying. It's not trying to hold on to, but it's open and giving. A possessive love ultimately, ultimately becomes dangerous. It imprisons, constricts, and makes for misery. God himself loved humanity with a chaste love. He left us free even to go astray and set ourselves against him. The logic of love is always the logic of freedom, and Joseph knew how to love with extraordinary freedom. He never made himself the center of things. He did not think of himself, but focused instead on the lives of Mary and Jesus. And so he's really speaking about our vocations as parents or as priests and pastors. Um, not thinking of ourselves, and, and again, it's, uh, it's that beautiful moment that you start out with, I think, um, being a first-time mom or dad, or, or each time you are, uh, like you've got this, this precious, uh, helpless life in your arms, and you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the needs of this child, keeping it warm, keeping it fed, changed, uh, helping it to, uh, calming him down, calming her down so they can sleep, uh, finding a, a warm and a safe place for them. So. Joseph, throughout his life, he didn't think of himself. He focused instead on the lives of Mary and Jesus, and he shows us again to how to focus on Mary and Jesus ourselves, for through Mary to focus on Jesus. Joseph found happiness not in a mere self-sacrifice, but in a self-gift. So not just sacrificing, but okay, I'm going to give this up, or, or um, I'm, but I'm going to give myself over to this. He sacrificed a lot, but he did more than that. He gave himself over to Mary and Jesus. In him, we never see frustration, but only trust. His patient silence was the prelude to concrete expressions of trust. Our world today needs fathers. It has no use for tyrants who would domineer others as a means of compensating for their own needs. It rejects those who confuse authority with authoritarianism, service with, service with servility, discussion with oppression, Charity with welfare, with a welfare mentality. Power with destruction. Every true vocation is born of the gift of oneself, which is the fruit of mature sacrifice. The priesthood and consecrated life likewise require this kind of maturity. Whatever our vocation, and there's uh, marriage is the predominant vocation represented here tonight. Whatever our vocation, whether to marriage, celibacy, or virginity, our gift of self will not come to fulfillment if it stops at sacrifice. Were that the case, instead of becoming a sign of the beauty and joy of love, the gift of self would risk being an expression of unhappiness, sadness, and frustration. In every exercise of our fatherhood, we should always keep in mind that it has nothing to, nothing to do with possession, but is rather a sign pointing to a greater fatherhood. In a way, we are all like Joseph, a shadow of the heavenly father, who makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust, 
and a shadow that follows his son. So we are called to be that shadow following, following Jesus, just as St. Joseph was, uh, not possessively, but in freedom, trusting in him. Finally, uh, Pope Francis says, the aim of this letter is to increase our love for this great saint, to encourage us to implore his intercession and to imitate his virtues and his zeal. We need only ask St. Joseph for the grace of graces, our conversion. So my dear brothers and sisters, um, we ask for that gift tonight and this time, uh, this feast of St. Joseph today, this year of St. Joseph, that um, we could, we would take the time and like I said earlier, I, I'm sorry I waited so long to learn more about St. Joseph. I had a passing familiarity with him, but I want to recommend to you this book here by Father Don Calloway, which is really an amazing book with wonderful insights on St. Joseph that they're really practical. So you're lucky I didn't try to read this thing tonight, okay? It's like 300 pages, okay? Um, to, to, to take advantage in this year of, this year of St. Joseph, because I, I think, again, I think it's, um, it's really needed especially what Pope Francis says about fatherhood and what St. Joseph offers us in his own fatherhood. We are um, invited to be, as he was, focused on Jesus and Mary, to be a father to Jesus, to take Jesus into our hearts, um, and very simply, uh, but very powerfully, very fully, and with Mary's help. St. Joseph brings us to Mary, Mary brings us to Jesus, and our openness to, um, to their prayers uh, and the Holy Spirit's action in us form Jesus in us. So we ask for that grace. And the grace of our own conversion, which is an ongoing gift, ongoing reality, constantly turning to the Lord. I would like to conclude um, by inviting you to pray with me the Litany of St. Joseph, which again, as I mentioned earlier, speaks very beautifully of the different um, devotions that have developed to St. Joseph over the years as, as um, the church has come to understand more and more about who he is and the gift that he has, the gifts that he has and how we might share in them. So um, after each invocation, we say, pray for us, asking Joseph to make us, uh, to give us the gift that that invocation has, what it is. For instance, Joseph, most just, pray for us. So Joseph, make me just. Joseph, most chaste, pray for us. Joseph, make me chaste. Give me that freedom of loving, uh, loving for um, the other, entirely for the other. Not focus on what I want, but what, what is needed by the other, uh, loving them. Joseph, most prudent, pray for us. So make me prudent, help me to choose well. Joseph, most courageous, pray for us. So make me courageous, Lord. Help me to, not to be afraid of anything because I know uh, you're, I am in your providence and that I belong to you and your plan is a good plan for me. So does that make sense? So when we pray these, um, we're asking for these gifts for ourselves um, that we might ultimately become more like Jesus. The Litany of St. Joseph. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ hear us, Christ graciously hear us. God the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God the Son, Redeemer of the world. God the Holy Spirit. Holy Trinity, one God. Holy Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, noble offspring of David. Light of patriarchs, spouse of the mother of God chaste guardian of the Virgin, foster father of the Son of God, 
zealous defender of Christ, head of the Holy Family, Joseph Most Just, Joseph Most Chaste, Joseph Most Prudent, Joseph Most Courageous, Joseph Most Obedient, Joseph Most Faithful, Mirror of Patience, Lover of Poverty, Model of Workmen, Glory of Domestic Life, Guardian of Virgins, Pillar of Families, Comfort of the Afflicted, Hope of the Sick, Patron of the Dying, Terror of Demons, Protector of the Holy Church, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. He has made him the Lord of his household and ruler of all his possessions. Let us pray. O God, who in your loving providence chose blessed Joseph to be the spouse of your most holy mother, grant us the favor of having him for our intercessor in heaven, whom on earth we venerate as our protector, you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Through the intercession of our mother Mary and Saint Joseph and your guardian angels and Saint Angela Marisi, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go in peace. Thank you for having me.